Blog Talk Radio. Having a 
uh, move uh, a Halloween party the next night that will probably go into Morristown and where Hamilton, some of those uh, events took place. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, it's going to be kind of amazing. I'm a little bit discombobulated off excuse me. Um, also, um, but the real reason we're here tonight is not to talk about Frozen, but to talk about Hamilton, which of course I've been following Hamilton since basically the end of the off-Broadway run to the beginning of the Broadway run and what the phenomenon it became. So I've been trying to get tickets ever since. Three years Endeavor finally got tickets in March for the Kennedy Center for next week. And so here, we're going to talk about it, hopefully, with my guest host, who was on the line and has dropped, and I hope he comes back. His name is John Hazel. He has called in before, and yes, we always have sound problems when John Hazel is on. It has to happen that way. Uh, I don't know why. It's a, a human error, some non-human error. It always seems to have an issue. But he actually works for Morristown National Historical Park, and I used to be his roommate, and I used to work there, too. And it's actually where some of the events of Hamilton took place. And so we were going to talk about Hamilton and the location and Morristown. And it would be kind of cool geek out thing to do. And also, um, at 9.15ish, we'll be joined by another gentleman named Anthony Fiore. I met at AwesomeCon a couple of years back. Uh, not only is he a fantastic customer, he also cosplayed King George uh, from Hamilton. It was a huge Hamilton enthusiast at the time. He had seen Hamilton, when I first met him, he had seen Hamilton twice on Broadway already, which is, like, amazing. Uh, so, uh, well, John Hayes wasn't called best, but the line is full, and it's from people from New Jersey. So I'm assuming it's somebody from Northtown National Historical Park or thereabouts. So let's see if they'll come on and talk about it while we're waiting. Oh, someone ran away. We're going to bring the other person on. Hello, you're on with the Sexy, sexy Witches, 973 area code. Oh, that might be Hello? Me. Hello? Who's you? Can you hear me? Yeah, yes, I can. <laughs> Turn down your music, please. I don't have any music. Oh, not oh that's me. me. Oh, I didn't, realize the, uh, I didn't realize Hamilton was still going. So who is this? Oh. Again. Okay. But, yeah, no, I can, I can beat you. I saw Hamilton, gosh, three years ago for a birthday in March. So I saw it when it was still at the public theater. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember you saying that. I've seen it on Broadway. Yeah, so I've seen it on Broadway. This is Fran Brecker, and she works for Morristown yes. National Historic Park. Now, as a park guide, she obviously has a different capacity. Um, she works for the gift shop, right? Is that correct? No, no. I work no, for the no. Um, no, I I work for the nonprofit that's connected to the park. We're the ones that ask everybody for money to support the oh, park. You're the Washington, that's what you're I'm the, here. You're the, that's right. You're Wash. I sorry, I got it backwards. You're Washington Association, of course. You are. Yes, I'm um, Washington Association. Yeah, which, but I which am is also, the second. I was going to say yeah. it's the second oldest historical uh, nonprofit in the country, Mount Vernon being the first one. I, uh, I so correct. Um, mm -hmm. I am also the first rights regent of the Morristown chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution, which owns Ooh. the Schuyler Hamilton House, which is where Beth Schuyler and Alexander Hamilton were courting during the harsh winter of 1779 80. So. They had uh, yes. an agreement to get married by April of 1780, and they did that right well, right there in Morristown. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, excellent. And this is all the stuff we wanted to talk about. And I used to work for Morristown National um, Historical Park as a park guide there for a few years myself. And um, we, it's part historical reenactment, part formal guided tour, depending on the day. Uh, it's all very fun, a lot of hard work, uh, lots of layers, which is always awesome. Um, and we'll talk about <laughs> costuming, though. Brown, if you want to stay on the line, I'm going to have a master costumer coming on to talk costumes in about oh, five absolutely. minutes. So why don't you hold on the line? I have somebody else calling in from the same area okay. code, and we'll see who it is. 539-973-539, you're on with the Sexy Witches. Can you hear me now, Liz? Yes, I can, John Hazel. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. You're on, you're on the line with myself, and Fran Becker has chosen to join us tonight. Yes, yes. Yes, uh, and yes, they, do, they have met, just so you know, people. They have oh, met. yeah, we work uh, at the <laughs> same location. <laughs> Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about the park itself, and let's start with John. And what is a park guide, and what are you guiding people through? And tell them a little bit about the overall, uh, what the park is, and then we'll bring Fran in, and we'll talk about the history specific to Hamilton that took place there. Okay. Uh, so the park itself is an area where George Washington had a winter encampment of 1779-1780 during the American Revolution. Uh, This is during the middle of the Revolutionary War, and it's towards the end of the time of which the British attempt to gain a foothold in the central colonies. The Morristown area would be used for four winter encampments during the Revolutionary War. Uh, The 1779-1781 is the biggest Uh, encampment as far as number of people in the area. At that point in time, George Washington will be renting a space from the Ford family at the Ford Mansion in Morristown. And uh, since Hamilton's one of the folks we're talking about, uh, Hamilton was staying at the headquarters while Washington was there, along with other officers of notoriety within the Morristown area, such as Henry Knox is staying within the Morristown area, along with uh, Nathaniel Green as well. So you have several notable figures, and Martha will come to visit as well. Um, I was going to say, don't leave out their wives, because also, uh, you know, Captain Littlefield also, which is Nathaniel Green's wife, will also be there um, during mm-hmm. the winter encampment. So they're... And Martha Washington came in there on sled. I know that story quite well. Uh, Catherine actually came to Morristown pregnant, and the Greens have another child while they are in Morristown itself. So um, it's a pretty, uh, pretty big winter encampment, but you do have it being the worst winter of the 1700s. Now, some folks might think, well, gee, how bad can it actually get? <laughs> well, accounts put the, uh, the soldiers uh, had written down that the snowdrifts at Jockey Hollow, which was the encampment site, was, were somewhere between uh, four to six feet. The British go ahead and take a three-ton cannon. They roll it across the Hudson River without the ice cracking. Accounts put that the 
ice was frozen over all the way down towards Virginia. So this is a pretty severe weather uh, that they are having, but they've learned from past encampments. And what do I mean by this? Only about 100 deaths out of 10 to 13,000 men, and about 1,000 men, say, with the harsh winter, uh, you do have about 1,000 desertions within the uh, encampment. And a mutiny. But, hey, we'll address that. This, this, but this is not important right now. Uh, as much as we would love <laughs> to talk about the enlisted men, that's its own monster. We, we're going to focus mostly on, on the encampment in Jockey Hollow, but the actual uh, Ford Mansion and the officers staying there. Um, if mm-hmm. you go... If you go to Morristown National Historical Park, one of the tours you do is the Ford Mansion. Uh, the Ford Mansion is not a very big house, but it is very nice for the time period. And there's some a lot of noise coming on your side, John. I haven't changed where I'm at. Well, something, somebody, there's a lot of noise coming in. I don't know what that is. So, uh, noise, uh, clock talk drives me nuts. Anyway, where was that? Anyway, it's really beautiful. <laughs> First thing you think on the left is you see you know, this eating area and there's the Chippendale desk, supposedly Washington used to write his letters while he was there. Uh, and if you go around to the bathroom, it's supposedly where Hannibal Sander Hamilton stayed, uh, which would normally have been. What is that? Do you guys hear that? I do. No. It, it what sounds like a white noise. Yeah, it's I know, like it's not. Noise. I have no idea where that's coming from. <laughs> so, <laughs> like someone's spying on us or something. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so you go to the bathroom and there's this back room where they crammed all the aides de camp. And I think there were four there at the time, and Hamilton was one of them, I believe. Uh, so that's where we picked up with... Um, with Fran and the Daughters of the American Revolution. And just down the street uh, is another, it's a private site, but it is the Styler Hamilton House. And they, the, the sequence in the play where they talk about the Winter's Ball, we won't get into the order of events yet because there's some questionable <laughs> history going down in the sequence. We'll That's talk about true. that possibly later. But it is true that he met Betsy Schuyler, who, by the way, did not call herself Eliza at the time. It was Betsy (laughs) Schuyler. Betsy, Betsy Schuyler. She was Betsy Schuyler. And I guess it's just not as musical. You can't go, Betsy, it doesn't work as well as Eliza. So I guess that's why. I think the three syllables work better. Yeah, I'm sure it's a musical, but Fran, tell us about the Schuyler Hamilton house and if you were there on a meeting day or one of those open house tea things that always freak my shit out. Yeah. They're handing me like like the rarest friggin' blue willow place I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> that's true. Tell, that's tell true. They, they, have, they have a blue place. Yes. Well, the house is only open on Sunday afternoon. And there you can hear Pat Sackner uh, tell all about the history. She is our local expert. She should be the one calling in. But um, she is uh, she is our expert on Hamilton. But anyhow, because it was uh, such a quick walk th- during the the Revolutionary War, the Schuyler Hamilton House, what we call it now, was o- actually belonged to the home of Dr. Campfield. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. I'm not hearing. Oh, good. 
because the, the noise went away. So I'm like, oh my gosh, did I get caught? No, <laughs> no I had to. Oh, I, I don't know. I had to put John on hold. It is definitely coming oh. from his phone. So okay. uh, I have, but he's still there. I just, but don't go. Okay. Continue. I have to. Okay. And I have to bring my guest on too. He just called in. So lots of happiness. <laughs> yeah. So. So the, the, uh, it belonged to a Dr. Campfield, who was a local doctor, and the, um, it, he, uh, it also became the home of George Washington Surgeon General. And that Surgeon General, and of course I cannot remember his name, but he was the uncle of Eliza Schuyler. And that's when, um, or Betsy Schuyler, and uh, her aunt, um, uh, you know, said, oh, you know what, maybe you should come down here to Morristown where all the soldiers are. And maybe you could meet somebody, you know, maybe you could get married. So um, that's exactly what happened. And there's speculation. We don't know a lot, but it could very well have been that Alexander Hamilton was the one who met Betsy Schuyler and brought her to the Campfield house. Because um, somebody would have had to meet her somewhere along the route and bring her there. So it could have been there, but certainly there was a lot of dancers in the town and they met and uh, danced. But there was actually one point where the doctor was complaining that after a cruel, hard day working with the troops, he would come home at night and find this damnable Hamilton sitting on his couch you know, spooning with his lady love when he would just like him to go away so that he can relax himself. So that was always a interesting little tidbit. <laughs> and also, yeah. getting back to the musical, there is a line in the musical. Oh, hold on, have hold on, Fran. Where they miss in Morristown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold on, Fran. Before we bring, continue with the musical, I want you to hold that just for a second. We're going to bring my guest on because okay. that's, that's the cue, Okay. So, hello, 571, you're on with the Sexy Witches. Hi there, can you hear me? Oh, I can definitely hear you. Hello. Hi, sorry. Thank you so much for having me on. How are y'all doing? Thank you. Thank you. This is Anthony Fiore. Uh, I hope I said that right, right? Fiore? Yeah, you did. All right. Okay, excellent. This is Fran Brecker's on the line with us and John Hazel. They both work in various capacities at Morristown National Historical Park. And Fran wanted to finish a line about the musical, and then we wa- I wanted to bring you in to hear it. So what's your follow, <laughs> your, fa- your, your final thought, Fran, on this? The, there, there is a line in the musical where it talks about uh, how Martha Washington named a tomcat after Hamilton. And they say, and that's true. And supposedly it was true. She named it Tomcat Hamilton because uh, Hamilton was, you know, off Tomcatting, looking for a <laughs> <her> wife. <laughs> so that's a, that's the story. I I don't know how true it is, but I I like it that they mention it in the musical. <laughs> so it's like I, I, I was little, pretty a little bit of more. I was very giddy when I first listened to the Hamilton soundtrack, and it said a winter's ball, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I was so excited. They mentioned us. They mentioned us. You know. Um, and so, Anthony, I want to welcome you again to the show. So, not only are we geeking out on like the history, we're going to geek out a little bit about Hamilton and also costumes, which. Uh, many of us in this list actually know quite a bit about, and that's great. Um, so let me ask you and bring you into this. What is your relationship to the musical Hamilton? 
Uh, well, my relationship with it, I remember hearing about it uh, from my mother, actually, in probably mid, uh, what, I guess, 2015, when it, when it was playing at the public before it opened on Broadway, because I believe it opened on Broadway in, during 2015 or early 2016, I want to say. Yeah, um, I, yeah, you're right. It was it was 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had heard about it mid-2015, was fascinated by it because I'm a big um, American history nerd, and thought that would be very cool. My mother and I were lucky enough to snag tickets right before the absolute massive, massive hype took off. So we got tickets <laughs> to see it in January of 2016 on Broadway with the original cast. And I purposely did not listen to it up until that point. Like I'd heard a couple of things that were being played everywhere. But besides that, I wanted it to be a very new experience going in. Um, so that was my wow, relationship such with such it was very difficult. <laughs> it was very, very difficult. Um, so I, it's not that I went in totally blind. I did listen to like a couple of songs. I couldn't help myself. Um, but in terms of the story, I didn't want to know where the story was going to go, you know, besides what I already knew about his life. Um, right. So then going from there, I I wouldn't consider myself ever really involved with the fandom, but I did meet multiple cosplayers um, through the work I did on my costume and then going to conventions with it. Um, so yeah, that's sort of my relationship with the musical and just working in theater in general, heard a lot about it constantly in school and with other people. <laughs> uh, that's how I met Mr. Anthony here. Uh, he was um, my, my co-host, actually with co-host Aaron Marie, uh, was taking a break and sitting per- next to this perfect Joffrey fan, like perfect Joffrey. Like I was like in shock how wonderful. Oh, and then so I got much. to meet this person. And, oh, I loved it. And 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 then he's like telling me, oh yeah, I used the curtain to do this. And and I was like, oh my goodness. And he's like, but then like it was the George. Then he was like, I do King George from Hamilton, and he entered the contest at Awesome Con with that costume. Oh wow. And that, yeah, I, you know, and I posted a photo, Anthony, so they can see it on our. Yeah, I see it in the little slideshow. So, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to compare it to the the picture I posted of the person on stage doing it, and you were so darn close. Like, like you could just oh. walk on the stage right now and do the number. I mean, it's fantastic. Oh. So, <laughs> I'm not. Which, a by the way, is one of. <laughs> numbers in the show. I, I've always loved that number because uh, they call it a moment of quiet on the show in, in the documentary mm. because it, it does completely stop the action, but it's such a fun upbeat song and it's so it is, and, and it, it's, so it's, opposite, it's so opposite to everything else in the show very purposefully so it kind of throws you off. It is fun but it's just so different. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so obviously you were obsessing with the costumes because you went and you built one. Uh, so, yep. uh, what draw what draws you to design and, and costume? Like, I know that you actually are going to fellowship. You had a fellowship in your costuming, which congratulations on that. Uh, and so, tell me oh, about mm. your, your attraction <laughs> to period quite, costuming but... in particular. Huh. Um, oh, well, I you well did. not quite I'm with sorry. the fellowship. No, I got um, I got accepted to an internship for this past summer with Colonial Williamsburg that I ended up uh, not taking because of a uh-huh. job that had offered. I 
it's okay. Um, it was another very wonderful job that I had been offered and that I had already accepted before I had heard back from the internship. Um, but yeah, so in terms of costuming, I mean, the show, Paul Towswell, the costume designer for Hamilton, did, a, in my opinion, a fantastic job with adapting period costume for the stage, um, especially for a show like this that has such rigorous dancing in it. You have to really think carefully about how you're going to take very rigid clothing and make it move. Um, so that's kind of something that I love about the costume design of this show is that even though the silhouettes uh, people who are really fussy are like, oh, the men's silhouettes, the jackets are too big, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it's so they move when they dance. Because if you're in an actual period accurate garment, which I've made some for myself, I do like living history and reenactments as a hobby, you can't move your arms all that much. So um, yeah. that's sort of my take on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to cheat, you know, uh, it, it's just, there's no other way to do it. I always like, I loved, um, there's one of my favorite movies, it's a different play, but it's Topsy Turvy, and they're trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to, like, make it, make them still have shape with a uh, kimono oh, yeah. on, and so they invent, they invent a hidden corset. You know, it's always, you have to do those kind of things. You got to cut in and make, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, Fran and I have both worn, I usually wear usually more low, lower class end clothes. So I'm usually a little bit more loose. I'm a loose character. You know, mm-hmm. I've got, you know, I, I have to chop wood and stuff like that. Yeah. Fran's usually in the right. upper class clothes. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Fran, <laughs> what is it like to not be in a comfortable dancing version of a, of a 18th century garment? <laughs> well, you can't breathe for one thing. That's why they had fainting couches everywhere because with those corsets so tight, you would not be able to dance. So I'm glad they were able well, to come up with a way. If you're having make... trouble breathing, it might be a little too tight. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we always uh, say when we're we're getting out of our costume that we're having, you know, you take you take your bodice off and you can suddenly breathe again. You're having your out of bodice experience. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, I'm I'm really in awe of the costume designer for Hamilton that was able to design these these uh, these costumes that dancers could move. As you said, they're very energetic. They are moving all the time. And that they can breathe in. <laughs> you know? So it's amazing that they were able to do that. And still give you the idea of an 18th century look, you know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So overall, I would ask Fran and Anthony this. What is your favorite single costume from the musical? Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Would you like to go first? <laughs> um. <laughs> there is one particular there's one particular um stage dancer you know she's just in the chorus and i just love this this 18th century period costume that she's wearing that is sleeveless and yet it's got mm. the beige look and it's got the tie and i just love it and every time i see her in it i i'm just amazed that she can dance as well as she can in that thing but that is probably, you know, my favorite because it's so unusual that they could think of something like that. I mean, apart from that, I, I love King George's costume. I can see why you would want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> King George is amazing. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, 
Oh, sorry. I didn't want to cut you off there. No, you're fine. No, no what about um, you? Oh, I mean, I don't know if King George is my favorite, but it was definitely something that I saw as a challenge that I wanted to try and do. I think favorite, it actually might be Burr's Act 2 outfit. I really like his um, suit. I, I believe it's his Act 2 outfit that has the little like purple lapels with the one button on either side. Um, and I, I like it. So, because yeah. It's, yeah, because it's a design that it's like, it's not historically accurate, but it works. It's, you know, yeah. an abstraction of that 18th century style. And I really like bringing in that, you know, since Act 2 is going towards the 19th century, it brings in that changing style at the end of the century, but in a very imaginative okay. way. And I just, I mm-hmm. love the color scheme. It looks so good on him. Oh, yeah. Very true. Yeah, I, I technically still haven't seen it, but unfortunately I know way more about musical than I should, though I would be very <laughs> proud of myself. I did not watch, no one gave me a bootleg copy and I never opened it. Never. Good. I refused uh-huh. to open it. I refused to open it. I was like, no, I am going. And, and, and the kids this weekend found it on my phone, on my computer and were pressuring me and I'm like, no! no. <laughs> I got a week. I got a week. Bootlegs <laughs> take bootlegs take all the fun out of things, honestly. Oh, wait, no. I can't. I've been so good. You know, I've, I, mm-hmm. I've been so good. I can't do it now. I'm in the home stretch. Uh, but my favorite single costume is actually, I, I kind of cheating, but honestly, I love when the girls are dancing in their underwear on the show. I, I, <laughs> I just think it's such a great idea. The whole oh, yeah. concept that they have like mm-hmm. this one quick undergarment and then the outer garment changes quickly. And and I just yes. love that as a quick mm-hmm. the idea of the quick change. Yeah, it keeps them in period clothes and they're fully dressed. It's not like revealing or anything. It it, it, it mm-hmm. is, and it can it can it's so cool. And every of course everyone looks great in in them, right? Because I love corsets oh, anyway. Yeah. That's my that's my favorite part of an 18th century costume. Anyways, is corset. I love corsets. Mm-hmm. I, I I know that it's not necessarily the most PC thing to love a corset, but I. I, every whenever I wear a fancy dress, and I wore one a few weeks ago, I have corset on. I almost always do. I just absolutely and like the so- way they feel, the way they hold me up. You know, I don't yep. have to worry about things popping out. You know, things like that. So, or and what's so cool about really the ensemble? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, mm-hmm. Anthony. No, I was saying, what's cool about the ensemble courses as well is that they're all individualized. If you look closely at all the photos and everything, they're all different, and that's a detail that I really love. They're not mm-hmm. just matching. They match in color, but they all, all of the ensemble women get their own specific little style to it, and I think that's very neat. Yeah. Mm. Wonderful. Mm. All right. I have dead air. Have we lost our host? We might have lost our host. <laughs> oh, mutiny. Mom's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> What's your favorite song? What's your favorite song of the uh, of the musical? What was your favorite number? You, she said that you've seen it twice now. I No, actually. I've, I've only seen it the once. 
I've been entering the lottery to see it in D.C. I have not won it. Um, oh. No, I've, I've only saw it uh, the one time, which, you know, was fine. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, like, me too. And, of course, I thought it was so gay. Yeah, and, of course, I still saw it at the public, so I had no idea what happened <laughs> when it went to Broadway. And I'm sure it did. <laughs> it did. But not yeah. not a hell of a lot, as I recall. The, the changes yeah. were somewhat minor since by the time it got to the public, it had already been fairly well workshopped, et cetera. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, and, I'm uh, back, by the way. So thank oh, you for saying dead air. Oh, sound has been crazy. All I mean, there's 30 seconds of dead air in the front of this music. Oh, oh man. No. Yes. Anyway, I'm glad. So, um, I don't. I think I know where you guys are, but you are leading into the history a little bit. And I did want to change course a tiny bit and hit the history parts of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it goes back in particular. I wanted to point, and if anybody can chime in here about my issues. The only issues I'm have with the history that I know about the musical and I know about the play, uh, about the real life is is mostly around an Angelica Church because they kind of fabricate, even though there was some flirting going on for. The papers, by the way, the Hamilton papers are here at the National Archive, which is my day job. Um, <laughs> it's, um, there's also some in the Library of Congress, I believe, as well. Uh, but she definitely was flirtatious with Hamilton. But I seem to remember her being married before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, is that was. right? And 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 yeah. there's also they're missing a, a a fourth girl and two brothers and the style. I mean, the Skyler's family should be like a huge chorus. Right. That's just a trio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this made her sound like she was the only uh, she was the only woman who had been married well, and it's like no, like two younger brothers. You know, what is interesting yeah. is that. Um, Eliza was the only one of the sisters that got married who did not elope. She was the only one, even though she was marrying this nobody from out of the country, this upstart who had no money, um, she still is the only one who got married, you know, at the family home. Everybody else eloped. I've been to that house in Saratoga, right? It's really pretty. Uh, yeah, so that's a really nice location, too, if you want to go track down the, the locations of Hamilton, because they're all within driving distance of New York City, uh, so, mm-hmm. which is great. Exactly. Um, so, uh, well, and so I like it that Hamilton, wanted, yeah, that Hamilton wanted to marry Eliza right away, but Washington told him, no, summer is for fighting. You get married in the winter. So, so he's like, get married the, the following December. Because <laughs> you don't so, get married so for, in the summertime. So for a fact, we know that it happened in the house. And they, she definitely met Betsy within that party frame of, of the encampment. We know that for sure. And if you walk into Skylar Hamilton house, you don't want to touch anything. Because it's just like so rare and amazing. But John... John, I want to bring you into this as well. And so okay. can you tell me about what it was like for Hamilton to be an aide-de-camp? Like, what was his duties while he was actually in the house? And what would he have been doing while this is all going down in the first act of the musical? <laughs> if you're referring to here at Washington's headquarters, then. 
Yeah, well, in general, too. Like, what Okay, well, he him? would have been an aide to Washington, and one uh, one unique thing is Hamilton was very intelligent, which is one reason he uh, he actually survived his childhood. But in any case, he, at Morristown, I know he would have been writing letters, helping Washington uh, along those lines with the other aides. But he, from what I know, enjoyed serving under George Washington. And at times, he would argue for a field command, which Washington did not necessarily want to give him, and he eventually got it at Yorktown. But he would have been an officer. He would have been with George Washington. He would have been helping out where he could. Uh, in, during the winter time. that's the time of year you get caught up on your paperwork. He would have been helping out with the letters and making sure those got written and sent out to where they uh, needed to go. So, so, Anthony, let's bring you in to this to follow up. So it sounds like pretty much the, uh, the, the musical hits the beat pretty accurately of what was going on in Hamilton during the revolution, at least the major points, even if I am like not really happy about the Angelica church thing. Uh, but the rest of it yeah. sounds pretty close, at least the, the order of events. I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to that, the changing of Angelica. I know Lynn has addressed that a couple of times in different interviews. We're kind of talking about the removal of the other siblings and making her unmarried. Mm-hmm a lot of those changes were done to sort of facilitate the narrative of the show. And sure. because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a dramatic narrative. It's not meant to be a, you know, it's not meant to be Ron Chernow's biography. It's meant to be a narrative built off of that, but telling a very specific story. So I know that he changed that because it adds um, greater um, conflict for her character in terms of her not being able to marry him in this romance that has been created in the musical. I know that was why some of those changes were made, like her being the oldest and there are no brothers. So obviously she can't pursue him because he has no money. Right. Yeah. There are grains of truth in it, in the sense that that, if she was an oldest child, that would have been an issue. Uh, you know, they okay. talk about that a, a lot about property rights in those days. Um, the other option is, is often, and this happened in Morristown, one of um, the houses, the Wick house, Tempe Wick, stayed and remained single and took care of her parents until they passed, and then she inherited, which was mm-hmm. another way that like money would transfer to a, a woman. Or, which is often also what would happen, is you own a tavern, your husband dies, and then you get the tavern which is all mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> And that could happen a couple of times. As a matter of fact, it happened in Morristown to uh, where I met down the green was staying. Uh, the tavern uh, was run by a woman. So, and she witnessed a lot of things, including Benedict Arnold's uh, court-martial, which was happening also oh. in Morristown during this time period. So not only is Hamilton going through this story, there's a lot of stuff going down. We have Benedict Arnold going down. Uh, mm-hmm. We have uh, the one of the coldest winters in history going down. And, and just Hamilton is one little piece of this story, but that's actually one of the things I loved and I instantly fell in love with what Lynn manuel Miranda was doing, is that 
I've always said when I worked at Morristown that I was like, why are people doing more movies about these people? Because their lives are fascinating. They're doing these amazing things. And there's such natural story arc, even without fudging Angelica Church's story, you still could get a pretty decent narrative out of that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It is, it is really, mm-hmm. Hamilton's life is, mm-hmm. is, is, is one of those, like only in America kind of stories, you know, poor bastard almost dies a couple of times and survives and becomes one of the most important men on the planet. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, he didn't just create the treasure, you know, help with the treasury and all this stuff they talk about in the musical too. I also like to point out, he also was one of the first industrial complex designers. And uh, if you go to Patterson, New Jersey, um, there's a waterfall there, and that is where the location of the first industrial complex was in Hamilton Health Design. Uh, if you watch, I always try to give a frame of reference. If you watch The Sopranos and you see them whack someone and it goes over a waterfall, that's totally not <laughs> in New Jersey. <laughs> so, uh, and for my horror geeks, it's um, also where Alice Sweet Alice was shot. If you want to know, go here. Anyway, um, so uh, there's a lot more to just the music um, to Hamilton and to what's going on. There's a whole bunch of stories. I wish more people would do, like, a, I, I was a huge fan of 1776 anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. I've, always, yeah. I, I've, I've always loved 18th century history. It's always been my favorite time period, and I got, and working there at Morristown, it was like, yay, I get to teach something I love. I really would have loved that job for many reasons. Um, and, and, of course, his proximity to New York was also really nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll say that. I didn't mm-hmm. live in New York, but I could be near it and go whenever I want. And that was awesome. Uh, so, uh, But now it's on tour, and people all over the country are finally getting to see Hamilton. And they're even hinting at they might even do a Fathom Events version, which I hope they do. <laughs> Um, I, I have always said that Hamilton is, is, you know, I think he knows what he's doing because when it gets down to the high school level or community level of uh, rights, you know, when they start to get to that level where they can afford it, it's going to be amazing because all the people that have 1776 costumes in the back of the closet <laughs> on the, from the 70s and 80s, they'll be able to bring mm-hmm. that shit back out. They won't even have to buy new costumes. Mm-hmm. It's the old ones up. And that'll be awesome. Liz, I, I went to seventy six, and the wigs were off. Oh my God, no! I, I can tell you wig wig stories. I'm sure Anthony has a few wig stories. Wigs are like uh, 18th century wigs are just ugh. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, John. What do you guys say? Um, I just want to make mention two items. There were uh, one, the musical Hamilton, because I'm not sure if everybody anybody was aware of. But the Bureau of Printing and Engraving was actually thinking of changing the design of the ten dollar yeah. bill and removing Hamilton from the uh from the ten dollar bill as the first secretary to the treasury. Um Linwell Miranda's musical actually helped put uh Hamilton in the public eye and say basically this uh, person did a lot of important things, and we should keep him on the $10 bill. So that helped influence the decision to keep Hamilton on the $10 bill. Uh, The other item, and you said that Hamilton did amazing things, and he did. He actually set up 
the uh, U.S. Treasury system to the point where America uh, had paid off all its debts for the American Revolution and paid off the federal debt by uh, Andrew Jackson's administration. So those were two things that I wanted to interject while we're talking about Hamilton. Well, and that's cool. I mean, there are some people that, like, I will say, I know people that are not fans of Alexander Hamilton in the sense that he's partially to blame with the modern, just, uh, our modern economy as we know it. Um, mm-hmm. And so people go mm-hmm. back to him and go, you see what's going on? You know, but who knew what country would be like in 200 years out? We were the great experiment. We called the grand experiment for a reason. We still are the mm-hmm. grand experiment. Um, you know, so, so I, I, and and you know what, even if I like had uber issues with history, which I don't, I actually, you know, I, I was so elated. The reason is, is I, I love seeing a whole new generation of, of people pick up history books, (laughs) pick up history books and like Anthony pick up a, a needle and thread and history books. I mean, you know. Fran's been doing this all her life. My mother was a historical seamstress. I was a reenactor. So was John Hazel. But we're, um, you know, John and myself and Fran are from an older generation. Anthony's a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to call your age card on you, Anthony, but you. It's fine. For a long time. I couldn't find many younger people looking at this stuff and saying, hey, it's interesting. And I think it's still few and far between, definitely, like, looking at people that I know through the hobby, through my dance groups. Um, I work at a living history site um, in Richmond, Virginia, looking at my coworkers. It does tend to skew older even still, but there is hope, especially with this musical, bringing in a lot of young fans, a lot of young theater kids, and encouraging them to pick up a book, to pick up, you know, Journal's biography of Hamilton and to learn more. And I know I've seen some people get snobby about like, oh, they only care about this because of the musical, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but they're still learning. Who cares how they came to care about it? That's right. Um, I, I, so I was about I to death someone to, like, getting for once. For, yeah, they're like, well, you just want to see this spot because it was in the movie. And I was about to deck him because, of course, I knew a lot more about Joshua Chamberlain than he did. Uh, but, um, you know, but, you know, don't assume, you know, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what gets them into it. I don't believe it's the false fangirl syndrome. It doesn't matter yeah. how new they are. If they're into it and they want to be part of it, let them be part of Encourage it. Encourage it. Part of yeah. the joy. Encourage it. My God, don't piss on it. I really, really, <laughs> really annoyed with that. Um <laughs> And and a musical inspiring an entire generation of people. You know, it was like when Harry Potter inspired an entire generation mm-hmm. of readers. And now we have it happening in the musicals. And, and, and not just this musical. I also think a lot of Avenue Q and Book of Mormon also have a lot to do with it. Um, since 2003, there's been some very important musicals that have reached out and touched the younger generations. And uh, mm-hmm. Hamilton was just... And supposedly, there's a story when Hamilton blew up on Broadway. There was like, like, like up to nine projects being developed on Broadway that went black. Just, just they just stopped what they were doing and said, "We're obsolete. We got to rewrite." <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, <laughs> it, it just took it just took everything and flipped it on its head. Um, for a long time, Les Miserables was my favorite musical of all time, and I'm sure Hamilton, after mm. I see it, is going to replace that because I already love the soundtrack so much. My daughter sings it like every day. Um, <laughs> but it, watching Les Mis and then watching Hamilton, I was like, wait a minute, Hamilton just kind of up up games Les Mis. How was that even possible? You know, <laughs> you know. Uh, it blows my mind what 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 this like small and it is a middle list set musical. There's not a lot of there's a lot of movement on the stage, but there's not a lot of uh, concrete imagery on the stage. It's mostly just like like yeah. they were saying abstract ideas of things that exist, which is makes it great because that means it's really adaptable <laughs> to lower community college level uh, stage. Exactly. and that will be the best part. So uh, I I I would I would love to see this on a community college level. I think it it'll be there sooner than later, actually. Oh, absolutely. So. And I mean, the scenic designer David Corns. I mean, he spoke at length, sort of, about that inspiration for the set and how originally it had been, you know, much different than what it ended up being. But you know, having all that exposed wood, all the planks, how it represents the building of America, kind of that work in progress. The walls aren't done yet; the bricks are still being laid. And I think that symbolism is so cool. And that's really one of the only large things that changes in the set is a brick wall that grows during the intermission. Is what is kind of the only huge thing out of the core set that changes. And, 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 it, and it's not much different than what was on Off-Broadway, right? No, not not much different from Off-Broadway. I think most of what was super different was his preliminary sketches, which um, David has shared on social media or wherever, where there, there were these ideas for, like, a hole in the center of the stage with water in it. And then there was one where it was like there were pillars on the stage in the beginning to kind of show everyone up on a pedestal. And those ideas got scrapped as time went on. But I think the, the exposed boards and all that has kind of stuck around through most of the design process. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, so there is two simultaneous uh, uh, traveling shows right now, not counting what's on Broadway. Mm-hmm. So there's three separate ways you can see Hamilton in the United States, theoretically. I have seen that the um, the two traveling shows on social media sometimes compete with each other, like flash mobs and stuff, which I think is totally cute. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, you know, who does it better? Uh, you know, and I think that's adorable. And But the social media presence and the outreach to Hamilton has actually been phenomenal and on, on an educational level, as a, as a musical level, like reaching out to artists and young, and young there was those special Wednesday matinee screenings or, or, or performances mm-hmm. just for high school kids in New York. Wow. Um, you know, there, there's like, it's just been this like, train that has been going and hasn't really stopped the last three years and I really do am glad that it's bringing um, it's bringing what Fran and myself and and John have been doing all these years into the mainstream now there are a few historians that roll their eyes I know one at Morristown that does every time a musical Mm -hmm. mentions not to say any names Martin Um, anyway uh, (laughs) but uh uh, anyway, but uh, you know, but I still think it does ultimately more good. I mean, it's just more important that the people like are interested, and the book is actually even halfway decent. I was 
walking around the archives and I saw a, a couple of the new hires walk around with Chernow's book and I was like, yay, mm-hmm. so great. Uh, you know, I work <laughs> at National Archives. Now, I don't, uh, so I work, there, I don't work with those records. They're all downtown. I work with holographics, so some of the records are the same age that I work with. Uh, but um, it, it's just, it's just kind of a, a little bit of pride how, like, I've always been, in the last few years, been kind of following Hamilton's life story accidentally. You know, I lived in New Jersey, outside New York, and, you know, and I'm, in, I'm now in D.C. Um, so here I am, and I'm still, like, now I'm going to finally get to see Hamilton at the Kennedy Center. So thank you. I want to ask Anthony before we go, one final, what was the one thing I should, I should go expect going in? To, um, to see it, like I'm not, not story-wise necessarily, but what's the one thing that I should take with me hmm. into the performance and keep in mind? Watch the ensemble. I think is one of the the best thing I can say. Look at all of the ensemble members, especially in large num in the large dance numbers, because they're all doing something unique, and some of them play kind of symbolic roles throughout the show that you might not notice if you're not really watching them, if your eyes are only on the principles. Great. That's I think good advice. Fran, really <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Follow up. What would your advice be? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, enjoy the crowd. It's so different to see it when you're with a bunch of people, you know. So I would say take advantage of the fact of the group think mm-hmm. and enjoy seeing it with a a bunch of people rather than just listening to it at home, which you can do all the time. I, 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 but mm-hmm. I'm praying that we have a loud audience. I want. I know that <laughs> Lynn Manuel Miranda has said that it runs the gambit. It can be a completely listener mm-hmm. type audience, all the way to the crowd going, oh, 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 oh standing up. I hope it's not quite to that point, but I want like two notches back where everyone is still singing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't want to be like I, my daughter wants to sing because I'm taking her. By the way, I'm taking her. And oh, I'm this taking, wonderful. Hopefully my. Yeah, and my grand and grandma's coming, and hopefully Paul oh, is coming. Uh, so uh, you know, my husband. So yeah, I'm making sure Lily's mad exposure, so she's gonna get to go see this. Uh, the evil genius is gonna get to see Hamilton. I'm super oh, jealous, fact. actually. <laughs> like how jealous she is to get to go see it. Yeah. So great, yeah. So. <laughs> She's gonna think this Uh-oh. is normal. You get to go go to the theater on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, no, you have to go to community college like I did. Go see those shows. <laughs> this is just as important. Support your local community theater, folks. Some at some yeah. point they'll play Hamilton. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm serious, man. So anyway, uh, John, is there one final thing you want us to take away about Hamilton himself or the history before we go tonight? Um, just that. Uh, I think I've said most of what I thought was important, um, but uh, I'll reiterate that um, he set up our current uh, financial system. He uh, makes the uh, suggestion of setup of our monetary system the way it is, and by that I'm referring to denomination of coins or currency. And it's very actually similar to today. So um, we're using some of the same things 
that were used at the start of our country uh, that were used during the 1700s. It's fabulous. And um, so, John, if they wanted to go on a tour of the Ford Mansion, um, how would they do mm-hmm. that? Um, very simple. Uh, we're getting – it's all dependent upon what time during the uh, year they come these days because – for about a week or two, we're still open seven days a week. Uh, seven days a week, but by mid-September, we will be closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. However, uh, we give tours of the home where Washington stayed, and the tour times are typically at 10, 11, 1, 2, 3, and 4 o'clock Monday through. Uh, excuse me. Monday through uh, Sunday right now, but uh, come mid-September, we'll be closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, so it'll be Wednesday through Sunday. And then um, we limit the number of tours to 20, but it's all free these days, so there is no uh, entrance fee to see Washington's headquarters. And we have uh, a whole museum of uh, various uh, exhibit galleries, and we just opened up last year our interactive dis- exhibits, uh, which uh, the kids seem to love. So that's a good thing. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I work in a John um, John Russell Pope designed that that museum, which is a, a famous person. He also designed the National Archives and the Jefferson Memorial, which I also both worked at. So I've worked at all the three John Russell Pope buildings as well. So there's a lot of history right in your backyard. It's free. It's all free, which is amazing. The stuff here in D.C. is free. Forest Town is free. Mm -hmm. Go visit Mm -hmm. your history. Go have some fun. There's a lot of stuff going on. Anthony, do you have any way to be – do you have, like, a fan page or something or contact digits if people are interested in your costume work? Oh, I have um, an Instagram as well. Probably the best thing. Uh, some of my work is up on there. It is the Dancing Dandy. Um, no spaces, <laughs> just all together, spelled exactly how it sounds. Um, and that's my main social media page. And you can see him at your local. Co- uh, hopefully, I'll get to see you again at, uh, at Awesome Con. It's always fun to <laughs> yeah, go and see what see, you're going to do. See me next. at Awesome Con. <laughs> uh, stop by Agecroft Hall in Richmond, Virginia. Might be working there if you come to a living history event. Um, I hope, you know, other balls and English country dance events in Virginia, I'll probably be there too. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you go to a SoFi, again, there are public photos of him in his cosplay in various forms, and he looks wonderful. So, Anthony, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. I've been wanting you on the show for so long, and now I had a reason. <laughs> and so, thank you so well, much. Well, thank you for inviting me on. It's been really fun. Oh, please. And you can call in at any time. We love people just calling in randomly. Um, it's pretty fun, actually. <laughs> oh, great. So, and, and Fran, thank you for being on the show as well. Sure. It was a pleasant surprise to have you on. I was kind of hoping you would call, though. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you tagged me on Facebook. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known about it. <laughs> oh, I, I was hoping you would listen. So uh, thank you for calling in. And, John, thank you. Sound problems aside, thank you for always trying to call in. And your information sure. about Morristown National Historical Park. So you can see them at Morristown National Historical Park. And you can also see John sometimes in Jockey Hollow. 
Uh, you can find me mostly on my social media pages, uh, Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches. Uh, and this time of year, we are part of the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness, which will be the next episode on the 18th, the rule post for the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness. Happy Holidays, which is going to be this year's theme is horror, horror, holiday, anthology movies. So, ooh, that's a hot, that's going to be an interesting one. So anyway, Coco, come back on the 18th, and the whole sexy witch cast will be here. Uh, once again, thank you to my panel, and we'll leave you tonight with Usher's version of Wait For It. Thank you again. Much love and massive madness. Blessed be, and I'm not going to throw away my shot. Good night, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.